0: Hi, I'm Sergio. And I'm Alex. And this is the IPHO Podcast. Each episode, we'll be hosting professionals with diverse backgrounds from across the industry. We have two goals, to bring you timely, relevant insights from across the healthcare landscape, and information that can help support your professional growth. What non-traditional career opportunities exist for pharmacists, and how can I stand out from other candidates? How is COVID impacting the way we develop medications and support patients? What social inequalities exist within the biopharmaceutical industry and what are companies doing about it? So whether you're a pharmacy student interested in learning more about fellowships or in pursuing a direct career in industry, a current or former fellow trying to figure out your next step, or just interested in a distraction from your workout, we've got you covered. And remember the views and opinions we and our guests express on this show are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers. All right. Welcome everyone to the IPHO podcast. Today, we're going to be Jim joined by Jim Alexander, the founder and executive director of the Industry Pharmacists Organization. And it's the second time he's joining. Uh, but for uh, with with intent, it's there's a purpose here. And I started by saying we out of habit. But uh, unfortunately, it's just me. Uh, Sergio has a well deserved vacation. So we're going to leave him alone for this episode. So start by welcoming Jim.
1: Oh, thanks. It's great to be back again. Yeah, I'm glad you explained that. I wondered what happened to Sergio last time. I thought you took over. But uh, Alex, we really appreciate you know you and Sergio and everything you're doing. I love listening to the podcast. I've listened to everyone wire to wire. So uh, thanks for doing them. And uh, I think they're really helping people and really great content. So appreciate it. And it's great to be back.
0: Well, it's great to have you, and we—I I haven't scared Sergio away yet. Um, It's—it's not—it's not personal. He—he he promises, but something I—you you say that it's been a, a great service for people. Some some feedback we've gotten has been really positive. We've gotten some constructive feedback, and we've tried to incorporate it into the episodes. We've also gotten some positive feedback, and our goal here was to help uh, students, fellows, colleagues learn more about the industry and connect them with information. And we've we've gotten some really good feedback. So keep keep it coming. Um, And and I want to introduce a a new format for this fall because it's officially September. And we know that there's a critical mass that leads up to the mid-year time period. So uh, leading into mid-year, Sergio and myself, we're going to be putting out episodes that focus on preparing individuals uh, whether that's preceptors, fellows, uh, students for the mid-year process. Uh, because it's not just, we always think about students who are who are preparing, uh, but it's also our uh, fellows' first opportunity to interview in, in that format, as well as some new preceptors. So um, we're going to have a significant focus on mid-year preparation. And with that, uh, we uh, thought it would be a good idea to bring Jim on to talk about some of the preparation. He's he's coming from uh, through through the years. He's seen it all, uh, or, well, quite a bit. I don't know about all, but um, he's he's seen it, the good, the bad, and everything in between, as well as the evolution. So that's that's going to be the focus of our episode today.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, Alex, you say mid-year preparation. And uh, a little bit of an asterisk now, because mid-year is is always the data point and now it be- has become a data point point. and there's a lot of recruitment work streams that are parallel coinciding and you know everybody's doing something different for sure and it's changing every day uh just recently ashb announced that the mid-year would be virtual again uh this year so everyone's not shocked uh given the situation with covid but um, I thought it might've come earlier, the announcement. So the fact that it came now, I, I started to think that it was just going to happen in person.
0: Yeah, I, I, I wasn't surprised to hear it either. Um, I, I, I am disappointed. I'll be honest. I, I look forward to mid-year. I look forward to the energy, the meeting, the candidates, see, seeing colleagues, friends, former co-fellows who I haven't seen in years, um, and, and the evolution of, uh, of the different programs. Uh, not just fellowship, but residency and all of the education that's available at the at mid-year. Um, but I feel like we learned quite a bit last year during the virtual mid-year process. So thankfully, this is not recreating the wheel. But one thing that really rose to the surface for me last year, and, and Jim, I'll let you comment on it as well, is the amount of information that really became available in the virtual world. I felt like... Uh, even as a preceptor uh, being it was inundated with information and events through, uh, through LinkedIn, through emails from organizations. So I thought this would actually be a good time to think about and talk about organizing for mid-year, uh, whether that's fellows, uh, preceptors, uh, students who are preparing, and maybe, uh, Jim, you could speak to how IPHO is responding to support the, the pharmacist community in preparing for this event and uh, helping to uh, get everyone organized for with, with everything that's going on.
1: Thanks. It's an interesting time, isn't it? Because uh, the timelines are all being pulled forward. And as you said, here we are in September. And in a couple of weeks, we're just going to be in the middle of it. Um, I'm really uh, proud of some of the innovation that IPHO has brought forward this year, partly at the request of some of the program directors uh, around the country uh, to establish tools that are gonna be you know, uh, very timely. And as this all, this, it's a mystery right now as we're sitting here talking, um, we hope to demystify it and we wanna be that partner for companies and for applicants you know, to demystify the process to the extent that we understand it. So uh, one of the things we've implemented, and I encourage any students listening, especially class of 2022, sign up for our alerts because we're going to be monitoring and listening to uh, what's going on in the market. Every day we'll digest everything that's new um, now through until whenever, until the process is closed, uh, maybe by the end of the year. And uh, every new webinar that comes out, every new brochure, all of that's going to be cataloged uh, on our IPHO website. And you can go there, visit the fellowship catalog, visit the calendar. But if you sign up for the alerts, it's going to come right into your inbox every day. Here's what's new. Company XYZ is having their recruiting event. Uh, Company ABC uh, has just uh, launched their new brochure. So that's a big advancement, a uh, pretty big commitment for us in terms of resources to try to track all that. But um, Alex, you hit it the nail on the head when you said inundated. Uh, I saw it last year too, inundation. So as things accelerate and there's over 100 programs and thousands of applicants, wow, the whole LinkedIn thing blows up. So if you try to monitor there, you'll go nuts. Uh, we're going to do that for you. And we'll put it in one place.
0: I'll tell you, I, the, when I prepare for mid-year, I think back to when I prepared as a student and just, just finding the information. When you're balancing working, uh, school, you're on rotation, whatever it may be, life, and then just finding and preparing, there were things that fell through the cracks for me. Um, I missed programs that I may have been interested in. I missed deadlines um, of different different presentations and whatnot, but then, uh, and, and, and granted, I found out about the, the uh, fellowships a little bit late, but I was doing it with residencies and whatnot too, um, and then when I was a fellow, this would have been helpful for me in understanding when I needed to communicate and people would be reaching out to me, and now as a, as a preceptor, uh, I, I know I need to be here at a certain time, but... Keeping it all organized is half the battle. So I'm, I'm excited about something that can organize anything that can organize m- my life for me. I am a huge proponent of.
1: Well, just say for anybody, any of the fellows or preceptors, program directors that happen to be listening to the podcast, please make us aware of, you know, all your stuff, and we'll make sure you can post. It's set up so that you can post it. Um, it's self serve. Uh, but even if you don't have the time, you know, at least send it to us, make sure we're aware and our team, uh, make sure that it gets posted and all the candidates will be aware of your good offerings.
0: Yeah. And I can tell you, we're going to be having to figure out, We, I mean, similar to medical conferences that are uh, set up as hybrid, uh, hybrid virtual and in-person ASHP up until this week was in-person as well as virtual in some aspects, but now shifting to fully virtual, there's going to need to be some sort of adaptation from programs to prepare for that. And thankfully, we have some uh, experience with doing it last year. But is there anything from, uh, from your standpoint that you may have learned from fellows, from programs with, uh, with preparing for a virtual mid-year or any trends that you may have observed that could help individuals prepare and understand the process?
1: I think everything's happening sooner, Alex. Uh, You know, there's a there's a race to get the good candidates, and everybody's pretty much aware of that. So we'll see all programs, big and small, pulling forward timelines again, which compresses everything into October to early November. The first offer went out last year uh, in mid November, well before Thanksgiving, um, way before. You know, some people were still signing up for mid-year when the first offer went out last year. So I'd say uh, for candidates, you know, the trend is to get your, understand, you know, seek to understand uh, the universe of opportunities much sooner and then get everything lined up, your CV, your letter writers, you know, uh, some of these first movers, uh, they want to secure the best candidates. and. If you want to be considered for that, you'll need to have everything that you need to apply, you know, ready to go much earlier. Uh, and I'd say, you know, you said organizing, planning, this calendar that we've got on our website now under Fellowship Central. Uh, you know, there's going to be some, you have to make some choices. Some of these webinars you won't be able to attend because there's four on one night. Uh, we're not trying to, you know, uh We're not trying to sell real estate (laughs) and, you know, you take this night or the next night. Um, I think that may happen if some of the employers will look uh, at our website and see when others have scheduled their webinars. But anyway, as a candidate, I think you need to really be planful uh, in a condensed period now, more so than ever before, Um, because you think about it. The first offer is just a little bit over two months away from right now. So if you haven't started, get started.
0: That that just blew my mind a little bit. Uh, two months away. You, you said the first offer mid-November last year. What about the last offer that you were aware of? When did the last offer go out?
1: Well, there's still things that we're becoming aware of for the first time. So it doesn't necessarily mean the offer just went out. But yeah, there's uh, there's late bloomers in there. Some some of the smaller programs just wait for everything to die down, and they know there's amazing people still out there looking, and then they don't have to go through the craziness or uh, you know worry about whose interview or on site is conflicting with you know with what. Um, so, we, and then there's other people who you know accepted an offer and then went for another one. So are actually. Our our fellow match website is still active through April, um, you know, of this past cycle. So there's going to be through January through April, you know, offers accepted and new fellowships prop up and all of that. But uh, we saw, you know, 80% is finished in February 1st, maybe 85 to 90%.
0: Yeah, and I and the, I ask that purposefully because I can tell you every year, I I have no less than five applicants who I would absolutely just love to be able to bring on board for one position, probably more. Usually, usually closer, you know, five. And let's say five to twenty. So, um, in, in there's only one position at least when I, when when I think about my uh, fellowship that I recruit for, but. Um, I, I always think about the the individuals there's so many talented people that come through and what opportunities they may have so uh, i think that what i was trying to highlight is if it doesn't work out right away it's there are opportunities as time goes on but it's also you know we talked about this last time fellowship is not the only route it's a it's a great route i i, I did it I, I, you did it but at the same time um, there's still quite a bit of opportunity and it's not uh, it's, I, I have this conversation every year with at least one or two people after the recruitment process. It's not the end all be all. There is still a long road ahead, a long prosperous career and a lot of opportunities.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I always quote the eighty twenty. uh, you know, 80% of the 15,000 or so pharmacists working in industry never did a fellowship program. And, uh, you know, they get in there a different way. Uh, Alex, we did a, uh, a study actually of the class of 2020 uh, trying to uncover who got into industry at graduation You know, last year. And there were more than 200 that we were aware of just through our research, which means there was probably more like, I don't know, 300. Not as many as fellowship positions available, but that's just uh, describing those who upon graduation were able to find a role. Um, and then, of course, downstream, people who have got the industry bug, who know that's what they want to do, you know, they're accumulating other experiences and, you know, uh, find their way in downstream two, three, four years down the line.
0: Yeah, clinical experiences really uh, can really position you well. And, and I'll share an, an anecdote from years ago where I had... We were down to two, and uh, one one of the individuals we we can only offer one, and the second we actually ended up it's six eight months later bringing on as a contractor, and she's gone on to have a really successful career. It's there's a ton of talented graduates, um, is, and that's that's kind of what that speaks to. Um, but I, I want to bring the conversation back to. The midyear preparation. We we've talked about how virtual impacts the uh, the timelines, uh, the sheer amount of information that comes through. But with that, we another inevitability of midyear is interviews. So as you, and there's two sides to that table. There's someone sitting as the interviewer for the first time, likely are the fellows. And then someone as the interviewee, potentially for the first time as well, other than preparing for pharmacy school interviews. So, uh, what what type of advice or resources would you offer? Let's start with the interviewers because I, I can tell you I've been a part of training a number of, of fellows as they prepare for their first time interviewing, um, and I have uh, kind of a process. But at the same time, it's something that you know it, it comes from my head and my experience and and others' experiences that I work with, but. What what type of resources or advice would you give to those who are just interviewing as interviewers for the first time? Because it's a different hat.
1: Yeah, yeah it's interesting, and I I remember being on the other side of the table for the first time myself. Uh, it was a long time ago, but I remember it vividly. Uh, I think you can Google these days probably a lot of good resources like that. But it, you asked uh, resources or advice. I would say a couple things. It's pretty easy to get full of yourself all of a sudden when you, you know, all of a sudden it's, you're in a more of a decision-making role and, uh, you're the person that's in that seat. And, uh, yeah, the, the candidates all look up to you, don't they? And it, it's pretty easy to feel that way. And I, I'd, I'd uh, discourage you if you're a fellow listening in from, from that feeling, I wouldn't be overtaken by that feeling. Um, one of the things I learned, it applies here more so in real life, but uh, as, you know, as I tried to recruit people to work on my teams, I always tried to find somebody as different from me as possible. Because I think the, you know, the instinct would be, oh, I've got a f- they liked me, they hired me last year, and wow, I, I'm really good at what I do, I've been, gotten the feedback, and I better find another me Um, in this case might be true. Uh, Certainly there's a company culture fit. That's important uh, for both candidates and interviewers. Uh, But still I would, I'd resist the urge to say, well, I'm just going to find a clone of me, find somebody different than you brings different skills, you know, to the table and uh, you'll learn from them once they get on board. Uh, And that's tremendously valuable and kind of round out your team with different skill sets and strengths and experiences and backgrounds and all of that. So those would be the kind of top two things that come to mind for me is don't get too full of yourself. And then also, um, you know, when I think back uh, to and I probably still use this style when I'm interviewing people. You're in a buying and selling mode at the same time, especially if you're the, I mean, you're the first line of defense. And a lot of times if you're the first year fellow, you might be the first person to talk, you know, with uh, the candidate that's being interviewed. And uh, you need to do some selling, right? Uh, It's not just, you're not just buying. Like that candidate might be one of these that gets several offers or they might be one that doesn't get any. You don't know when you're sitting down. Um, And I have found that, You know, I resist the urge to jump to conclusions based on what I see on paper, leading it into an interview. Kind of try to approach it with an open mind because there's a lot more to someone. I mean, we we all try to, we're asked to coach candidates to help them bring out their professional personality, you know, on a CV. But there's a lot more to somebody. There's way more to somebody than what you see on the paper. And those are often the intangibles that you're looking for. So um, you want to be familiar with the candidate's CV, but not be, you know, too prejudiced in one direction or another by it.
0: Yeah, it, you. as I asked the question, I started thinking about my, my first year as an interviewer, and I, I remember the weight uh, on my shoulders that I felt because it was my first time really deciding the fate of individuals where it was... Uh, before it was all about where do I go and how do I kind of make my next step? And now it's how do I help identify the right individual who's going to fit within this organization, who's going to grow as into hopefully grow into a leader. Um, but I, I remember looking at my wife as I was preparing and, and saying, I'm, I'm deciding fate as I as I go through this process. People who have prepared an interview. And, and I, I I didn't take it lightly then. And I certainly don't now. Um but it's, it's, you mentioned the having the right attitude. And, and that's, that's just remember you're, you're, as an interviewer, you are, uh, you are involved in people's futures is, is what I, and that's what I tell my fellows now. Um, and then it also, if you're a fellow, don't hesitate to speak with your preceptor prepare. I know a lot of programs are structured, but if it's a conversation you haven't had, see if there's a program at the company that can help you prepare. See if there's a program outside the company that your that your organization's willing to support you in in training because these are these are serious processes. You are holding the fate of individuals in your hands.
1: It's interesting. You just uh, you know you think about things I never thought about before, but there's so much mock interviewing that goes on for candidates, right? And probably a, a fellow should uh, you know have a couple mock interviews from the other side of the table, um, you know, before going live would be, uh, you know, good best practice.
0: Yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy. And, and it's, and, and, and it's a, it's a grind on both sides of the table. Uh, but let's, let's switch over to the other side of the table as, uh, interviewees. You're, you're, a, a student who's interviewing for the first time for, and again, perhaps you interviewed for pharmacy school internships. But um, this is your first experience with mass interviews. Uh, Any any perspective for the student as well?
1: No, I don't want to steal anything from Tanya Chaudhry, who's going to be uh, presenting this at our annual meeting coming up. And for any of those out there that aren't signed up already, you got to go there. We'll help demystify the whole thing, but we'll have a session on uh, virtual interviewing tips for the candidates. Preparation's so key, and I just mentioned a minute ago, of course, mock interviewing. But you're going to want to prepare for the behavioral style questions, and really embrace some of the things that have happened to you, uh, some of your key experiences. When you failed, when you've succeeded, when you've had a disagreement, how it was handled, and all of that. And that's all part of putting yourself out there. Hopefully, you won't have to reinvent the history when the moment comes. And you will have put yourself out there to be in these kinds of situations, but uh, I feel like uh, there's a lot of mock interviewing, a lot of preparation. I've seen a lot of people come off as overly rehearsed, though. So if I could highlight one thing that maybe others aren't, because they're going to say, "Do the star," you know, you know, the, the, all, all these behaviors. Here's your, you know, here's the way you should answer this, and the way you should answer that. Wow, it really comes across if you're overly rehearsed. And it can be scary. Uh, You know, you want to have the answers to these questions, but you don't want to look like you're like reading the teleprompter. And when you are, it's so evident to the interviewer on the other side of the table. So be careful about that. Be real. Uh, Be yourself, of course, within the, the context and the boundaries of the interview, but well, wow, be real, because that'll get you way further than, quote, unquote, the right answer.
0: Yeah, we're, we're all human beings here. That's a really, really important point. And it's not always about being the best, you know, selecting the best individuals not always about having the best interviewer, uh, interviewee. So I get, get flipped here on the interviewer, interviewee. But the interview, the interviewee, uh, have, the best interviewee is not always the best candidate. And the best candidate is not always the best interviewee. But you talk about that that uh structure. It's important to be structured, but also to be human. But it kind of presents, as you think about it, this challenge to how do you be yourself yet? Make sure you hit on all your star points. And so it's it's practice, right? It's it's finding who you are in interviews. And I'll be honest, I still work on that. That is, it's it doesn't stop at fellowship. It continues on through your career as you continue to progress. But and, and who you are changes as you progress, but finding, I think that finding who you are as an individual and as a potential colleague is really important. And if, and, and the easy thing to do is over-prepare and be a, a, a star, a, a subject, t- or, you know, the, the full format, but it's hard to be yourself and work that in. So practice and practice. And most universities have, Offerings. A lot of medical societies can offer uh, different different opportunities to learn from. So, uh, d- don't hesitate to go and, and continue to become you in your interviews.
1: Yeah, and I uh, I coach people to become a career services junkie at their school. Like there is there's a lot there. If you go into their offices, and they'll interview you. You know, uh, they'll give you resources now at your school, I'm sure they're there. You might have to seek them out. They may not just land in your inbox while you're studying for your next, uh, pharmaceutics exam or whatever it might be. Uh, but, but they're out there and, and definitely seek them out locally.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to continue to down this path for the sheer fact that it's going to overlap with, um, with you, you talk about your annual meeting as well as our subsequent episodes. So, uh, I, I'd like to just say thank you, Jim, for, for coming on again and, and helping to begin to demystify the mid-year process. And I'd, to, give you, to give listeners a perspective of what to expect again over the coming episodes, it, there's no formula to preparing, but what we can help you do is see through others' eyes as they've prepared, as they prepare others, and they can t- continue to prepare as their careers progress. So that's our goal: is to help you see through others' eyes. But Jim, it's it's been great having you on here. Any anything you'd like to to leave uh, listeners with before we we cut this out?
1: Yeah, you know, I'd, uh, especially for the class of twenty twenty two, we're working tirelessly, our team, every day now, uh, to bring you the latest and greatest. Make sure that our meeting is the one that kicks off the fellowship recruitment cycle at September 17th to 19th, and everything is going to flow from there. So all the major programs are going to be represented in one way or another. Uh, now that the mid-year has gone virtual, I think it's a it's a must attend. And we'll know uh, the latest information as of September 17th to 19th is going to be presented to you. And we'll go through in detail some of these tools that I've kind of scratched the surface on so that you know how to use them and be able to present your best candidacy. Uh, So we're here as your partner um, to help you whatever stage of your career as you pursue industry, but especially right now, the focus of this episode, as Alex said, is to help you prepare for the fellowship uh, application process. And we're here for you. Come partner with us.
0: All right. Thanks, Jim. And, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on a great conversation as always. Uh, and, and for those listening, uh, continue to look as we, as we move down this path in preparation for mid-year, best of luck to all of you. Take care.